Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson from SaveWithConrad.com. Heads up, homeowners. All of a sudden, your house is worth more than ever these last few years. But what are we going to do with that newfound equity? No, I'm not suggesting you sell your house or go buy something else. But didn't we all make this decision when we bought a house where we said, Hey, someday we'd like to, and one day it would be nice if, maybe it's the dream kitchen, maybe it's an in-ground pool, maybe it's a man cave, but you've got this newfound equity, and I think we should use some of that equity to turn your house into your dream home with no money out of pocket. But even better than that, we're routinely helping folks do this, and they wind up with a cheaper monthly payment. So if you got the dream house you always wanted with no money out of pocket, and your payments went down, how easy is that? Find out how easy it is to turn your house into your dream home with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. We can't wait to hear about your projects. Tell us what your dream is. We're going to help you make it happen at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! How's it going, everyone? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business here on the Ad-Free Shows and Podcast Heat Networks. I'm John Alba, and yes, I know it's been a while, but the dynamic duo is back together. Easy e Eric Bischoff is back in the U.S. Good to see you, man. How are you? Good to be seeing it. It beats the alternative, as I always say. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm dragging just a little bit. The trip with, I had an amazing trip. Over you know we went London, Dublin, Cork, Belfast, Glasgow, Edinburgh, just had a blast. And uh, but the trip home, got home almost two days late, so I'm I'm dragging just a bit. Does jet lag really do a number on you, or have you found ways to combat that? You know, it it not really surprisingly. Um, I timed my sleep pattern on the way over to London. And while I was there, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night for an hour or two, but I'd, I'd, you know, go back to sleep. It was manageable. And uh, after I'm home for a day or so, I'll be fine. So I guess I've, I don't know, maybe I I don't have that great of a sleep pattern to begin with. So it's just not that big a deal. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that intensely. Well, it's great to have you back here in the U.S. I'm sure everything was great with the Inside the Ropes crew. Kenny and all of them do such a great job. Oh, just such an amazing experience. Mrs. B went with me and, you know, the, the tour was five days and then we spent five days just kicking around and, and enjoying the sights because I, as many times as I've been overseas and Japan and well, not Japan, I've, I've seen a lot of Japan, but so often, you know, especially when I was with WWE, you know, you, you get to where you're going and, you know, go right to the arena and do the show and then right to the hotel and then on a bus at six o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning and drive to the next town. So you never really get to see much, but uh, this trip, we, uh, we were able to take advantage of that. Mrs. B blown away by how many people still like you these days when they come out to these shows. Well, she had a blast, but mostly because you know, Kenny's team over at inside the ropes, such a great group of people. We had so much fun. I mean, it was like a five day vacation before I started my vacation. Honestly, the crowds were fantastic. Um, just, it was an overwhelmingly fun time. So th- that's what she was most impressed with. It was like the Eric Bischoff Express over there, overseas. And, you know, speaking of that, Eric, a four horseman is actually joining the stable over here on adfreeshows.com. Three-time world heavyweight champion, the total package Lex Luger is joining ad-free shows for an exclusive interactive interview series, Lex Express. Let's take a little preview into it. 
Ad-Free Shows is home to a Hall of Fame lineup of legends and icons. And we continue to add to that legacy with a three-time world heavyweight champion who stunned the wrestling world on the debut episode of Monday Nitro, firing the first shot in the Monday Night War. From the football field to the wrestling ring, a physical specimen. He's run with the horsemen and the wolf pack, a narcissist, an American hero, the master of the torture rack. He's the total package, Lex Luger. It's Lex Expressed, arriving in October, exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Lex will be joined by Conrad Thompson every month. Looking back at some of his most memorable moments and matches. And in this special interactive format, Lex will also be answering questions from the live studio audience, which is you. Available at the $29 level and up. And Top Guy members can join Lex live. It's Lex Expressed. Coming soon to adfreeshows.com. Really, really excited about that. Lex is... uh, of all the people that I've worked with in the past and, and, and have come to know fairly well, Lex is about as inspirational as anybody I know. He's Definitely. such a great person and a great story, and I can't wait. I'll be watching that. I really will. You can catch Lex Express starting this October, plus thousands of hours of other bonus series like Tuesday with the Taskmaster, with Kevin Sullivan, Ask Conrad, the Hacksaw Hour with Jim Duggan, the book with David Crockett, and so, 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 so much more exclusively over at adfreeshows.com. Eric, let's get down to business. It's been a while since you and I have had a chance to talk shop, so I'm excited too. We got some pretty big happenings in the last week and a half here in the pro wrestling industry. And I think we got to start with what's newest, what's what most fresh, and that was uh, the report this morning as we tape this on Friday. Uh, normally we drop Strictly Business on Thursdays, but as Eric said, his travel was going crazy. Uh, your boy, Dave Meltzer, was the first to report this, but <laughs> others have since corroborated the rumor and innuendo, if you will, that uh, CM Punk and WWE are in discussions here about potentially trying to mend those fences and bring Punk in. Your former co-host, Nick Houseman, reported that a WWE source told him that it would be a safe bet to say that Punk would even show up at Survivor Series this coming November, so a little over a month and a half from now. Eric, we know all about the divorce between AEW and CM Punk. No legal action seemingly coming in fallout of that. What is your reaction to the potential reunion between WWE and CM Punk? My first reaction, quite honestly, was that whoever that high-level executive was that gave that information to Nick Hausman or anybody else for that matter, unless he or she was directed to do so, as a, as a means of possibly uh, wetting the appetite, unless that was the case, that high-level employee should be drawn and quartered. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when information leaks. It usually comes from people who are high up in those conversations. Survivor Series this year is in Chicago. For those unaware, so there's an immediate CM Punk tie there. Over the course of the past few weeks on WWE TV, there's even been small little hints at CM Punk and references to CM Punk. But the notion that Punk would return, Eric, after a decade away and the run that we saw him have in AEW, the question that comes to my mind is, is this something that WWE needs right now? bringing a guy like Punk in, given all the stuff that just happened uh, in the other pastures. Is WWE, in your opinion, in need of a big spark name like that? Or what's your take on that? Multiple takes. My first one being that, how many times have you heard me say, John, creating momentum, as difficult as it is, is much easier than maintaining momentum. Sure. And there is, without question, if you look at the data, um, WWE is, is on an upswing. Ratings, revenue, attendance, by every real data point, um, WWE has created over the last really year, year and a half, quite a bit of momentum. So when you ask me, is WWE in need of CM Punk? No. But... Would CM Punk contribute 
to maintaining or building upon that momentum without question. Now I'm going to push back here and, and not that I disagree with you because I don't disagree with you, but I'm going to push back because you have been on the record on dozens of occasions here on this show on 83 weeks talking about punk's drawing power and how it's not what it used to be or once was. So how would he factor in, in that circumstance? Well, as I've also said before, there's a tremendous amount of backstory. There's history there. And there's an amazing pool of talent for Punk to work with, as well as being su supported by a highly qualified and talented group of writers, producers, and senior management. I think I said on this show weeks ago when the subject first came up after Punk left, when you asked me or perhaps a fan asked, you know, what would you think about Punk going to WWE? It would be an entirely different situation. The CM Punk that we saw, the unprofessional CM Punk that we saw in AEW, you're not going to see that in WWE. It's an entirely different universe. I'm talking about corporate universe. Um, that's, that's the big difference. Look, I've never criticized Punk's talents or abilities. I've been super critical, and I think rightfully so, in the way he's conducted his business and some of the things that he said. I was also not a fan of his debut when he came out and essentially had to rely upon cheap heat to get a reaction and appeal to the dirt sheet universe that is so centric to what is AEW. That's not going to be the case in WWE. So the same guy in two separate companies is a totally separate discussion. I don't know Punk personally. I don't think I've ever, in fact, I know, I have never had a syllable of conversation with him. I don't know him personally. I know how he conducted himself in AEW, and I think it was reprehensible. And that's being kind because I'm still in a good mood for my trip overseas, <laughs> fatigued as I may be. Um, highly critical, and he's earned every word of it. But like I said, it's going to be an entirely different situation in WWE. Do I think he is as valuable now as he was seven or eight years ago? Probably not. But he'll still contribute. If indeed this is true, this is still, you know, Dave Meltzer and Nick Hausman reporting. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't talk to somebody, but it's still at this point secondhand information. Until it becomes firsthand information, um, I'm, I remain somewhat skeptical. Somewhat skeptical. Not totally skeptical. Somewhat. Um, we'll see, but I still think, like I said earlier, you know, creating momentum is really difficult. Maintaining it is even more difficult. And I think CM Punk, especially given the nature of the controversy that he's created for himself over the last year, uh, I, th I think, uh, yeah, it, it will help contribute to, to maintaining or, or building upon the momentum that they've already created. So let me ask you to put yourself in a WWE executive shoes here for a second. Let's play fantasy world. Given everything that just happened with CM Punk in AEW and the fallout of all that, what exactly would be the appeal of bringing him in at this juncture? I'm not sure. Bear with me, but I'm not sure I understand it. What do you mean? What would be the appeal? So, so there's why there's would audience now... equity there. There's everything I just talked about. So, no, but so you think even coming off of everything that just happened, you... Would you suggest that everything that happened over there in AEW essentially is meaningless should he make the jump back over to WWE? Not meaningless because he he, he kept himself – I mean, look, he was in AEW. He was, the focus was on him. They were building the company around him. So clearly no one in their right mind would say it was meaningless. But in terms of value – I think that everybody knew who CM Punk was before he went to AEW. It's not like he introduced himself to a new audience. Um, I, I think if there's any added value, it would simply be the, the controversy. And also, and I think this was inherent in, in his initial, 
you know, debut in AEW, there's an inherent curiosity. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in the ratings the first night that, that Punk showed up in AEW. And then it dropped off substantially afterwards and never rebounded. That is what I'm referring to is, you know, you're going to get a lot of people going to tune in just to see, Hey, what is this going to be? And is it going to be something exciting? And if it is, they'll stick around. And if it's not, they won't. Right. Um, that's the nature of the product. It's the nature of everything. So when you go to a restaurant, first time a restaurant opens up and you read about it and you hear about it, you can't wait to go and you check it out. If the food's great, you're going to come back. If it's mediocre and doesn't meet your expectations because the expectations were set too high, you probably won't come back. Or if you do, it'll be occasional. And that's exactly what happened, in my opinion, with Punk and AEW. There was this tremendous amount of fanfare. There was a lot of anticipation and what the audience saw after the first time out or two, yeah, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't convert to viewership. It can, it, it exploited the natural curiosity of the wrestling fan and, and probably in some respects a positive way, but it wasn't reflected in attendance or television ratings. Probably sold a lot of t-shirts. So if that's a metric you're basing your business model around, then yay, but it didn't really have much of an impact. I mean, they did They did strong pay-per-view vibes with Punk. When Punk came in, their pay-per-view buy rate went up. And it sustained itself for a pretty significant period of time with him, too. So I do think there was tangible impact on that front. Not nearly the amount that was anticipated. It didn't live up to the, and perhaps, unfair expectations. Because there's not one guy that you can bring in that is going to significantly move the needle. This is not. And creatively, I don't really think they made it to second base with Punk. Creatively. Did he have great matches for those people that love great matches? Okay, great. You can say he did. I won't disagree with that. I didn't watch enough of his matches or were impressed enough with his matches to comment on it. The ones I did see and the character that I saw left me uninspired. It was not bad, but it was not what it was made out to be. And I think it did live up to a lot of unrealistic expectations that the audience naturally is going to have when a big name or name they haven't seen in a long time shows up. I think one of the biggest appeals to punk coming back to WWE would be the idea that you get a happy ending to what was a really tumultuous situation 10 years ago where CM Punk walked away at, arguably the height of his popularity from WWE, given his burnout, given his relationship with Vince McMahon, with Paul Levesque. And the fans were still firmly behind him at that point. He walks away, stays away from pro wrestling for seven years, and now has a potential opportunity to come back to WWE. And I hate to borrow the verbiage from Cody, but to finish the story, right? To try to make amends in that canon, in that universe, and end things on a good foot wwe eric is a very different place than it was when cm punk walked out hell vince mcmahon is not their day-to-day anymore as things currently stand we know that there's much more of an emphasis on the in-ring product now than there was 10 years ago it feels to me that if cm punk did make this move the environment would probably be more fostering to him than it previously was what do you think on that i have no idea Okay. I'm not there. I'm not in WWE. I don't know the process. Um, I don't know. Fostering, kinder, gentler. I don't know. I, and, and I said that word purposefully. That's not thrown out there. I think Punk is in a situation in life where he's looking for very specific circumstances if he's going to work somewhere. And I do believe that the current WWE infrastructure is probably more enabling of him sliding into a situation where he wouldn't need to be the top guy that he was expected to be in AEW. He could go in, work with who he wants to work with, enjoy oh, himself. Oh, he's not going to work with... You, you, <laughs> you're, you're making some gigantic fucking leaps there. To, to suggest that CM Punk is going to be able to go into WWE and dictate, I'm or, not even, or even dictate. highly influence who he works with is... I'm not there, 
but I would find that incredibly hard to believe. He's I'm not suggesting he's going to dictate, no, put me in a program with Roman Reigns tomorrow. I don't think that's how it's going to go. But I think if you're going to pay good money for someone, I think he would be able to say, hey, here's a list of people I'd like to work with. Let's see what we can make out. I, I don't think that's unreasonable. That, that, that's the conversation, and I'm sure that it would be uh, not an unusual conversation to kind of break the ice sure. and get to know each other and, and feel each other out. But, you know, I just want to be careful that, we, you know, we're talking about kinder and gentler and fostering natures and being able to choose who he works with and doesn't work with. That's let, Let's just see if he gets there. You know, right. and I, I will say, and I think I've said this before, if if I if I were to be the half glass full Eric Bischoff, I would say the good thing that can come out of this for Phil Brooks is that he could end his career on a positive note. Absolutely. Regardless, look, if if it happens, I'm still, you know, highly, not highly, I'm I'm somewhat skeptical, but if it happens. Um, I can tell you from firsthand experience that everybody will be on board, professionally speaking. They may have personal feelings, but they'll never, ever get in the way of business. So he'll be welcomed, he'll be supported, and he'll be expected to pull his weight like everybody else. And if CM Punk's Phil Brooks, the character CM Punk, the, the person, Phil Brooks, Phil Brooks, because that's what I'm talking about here. If at this stage in his career, if I don't know him, but if he would like to end his career, first of all, make a lot of money, let's face it, but do it in a way that perhaps untarnishes what is up to this point been not a great legacy. He walked out of WWE because he was miserable. He showed up in AEW and, and picked up right where he left off in AEW, right where he left off in WWE in short order. Um, this would be an opportunity to go and have some great matches, some great stories, first and foremost, for God's sake, have some great creative work with some extremely talented, talented people in a professional environment. And however long that career, if he's got a year, if he's got two years, if he's got 10 years, however long that is, the opportunity to end your career on a positive note is not to be undervalued. Sometimes I think, and again, I, I put myself in this category looking back quite a while ago. You tend to think, oh, this is going to last forever. Oh, this is great. Oh, this is good. But it doesn't. It goes away. And if, when that time comes, you want to. To, you want your career to end on as positive a note as possible. And this is that opportunity. If indeed the opportunity exists, we'll find out. I agree with you for sure. And it, it could provide a great story. You know, you can say that his legacy has been hampered a little bit, but there's no denying how influential he was on a generation of talent and fans. So uh, if he can go out on, on a good note and, provide some great matches and provide intrigue too, Eric, right? Like we're headed into Royal Rumble season, not that long from now. We're only a couple months away from that, which is crazy to think about in and of itself. But that's always that hype train season where you start to build a little more, more momentum headed into WrestleMania. We got WrestleMania 40 this year. So bringing in a big name at that time might not be the worst thing in the world. And, you know, Eric, I actually want to talk about bringing in big names here for a quick second. That sounds familiar. The following announcement has been paid for by the Podstars team. That it certainly has been because I want to tell you about bringing in big names to your podcast. Are you having trouble getting A-list guests to interview for your podcast? Isn't it frustrating that no one responds to your requests and your DMs on social media or your emails that you send? Your time is too valuable to be constantly chasing prospective guests down. So, let the Podstars website do all the heavy lifting for you. Podstars is a brand new innovative podcast booking site that has an unbelievable catalog of athletes, musicians, actors, and even first responders all at your disposal for your podcast. The Podstars website has Major League Baseball players such as Lenny Dykstra and Bud Norris, WNBA and NFL players, and even American Gladiator Laser ready to be interviewed right now. 
Podstars has more than 30 wrestling superstars ready to rumble on your pod, like the world's most dangerous man and UFC Hall of Famer, Ken Shamrock, WWE and Impact Hall of Famer, Devon Dudley, Santino Morella, WWE Hall of Famer and ad-free shows podcast host, Jake the Snake Roberts, Eric Bischoff, getting big names for your podcast. It adds a lot of equity, doesn't it? It does. And somebody was thinking, you know, I've often thought as, as I've watched the podcast universe blow up, you know, and especially when, you know, I go to the uh, podcast movement um, conventions once a year, have been for the last couple of years, actually, along with Conrad and uh, the ad ad team from uh, ad free shows and, and podcast heat. And every convention I go to, every time I go to the convention, it's bigger and bigger and bigger, which means there are more and more and more podcasts. It's harder and harder to get guests. And I've often wondered how long it's going to be before someone forms what has what will become or perhaps is now um, an agency, no different than a commercial talent agent uh, for the podcast business. So somebody was really thinking, and you know, if it's a one-stop shop where you can get those quality guests, because that's the other thing. I can tell you, especially for people starting out in the podcast space that don't have, you know, a following already or don't have a recognizable name, um, to be able to bring in credible talent like that and have great interviews is 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 a it's a great opportunity and it's timely. It absolutely is, and we're talking about guests from the true crime podcast world, which is one of the biggest right now. We're talking about actors. You'll find stars like Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager. Pod stars host more than 100 celebrities on their website, but that's not all. You can also subscribe to the monthly community plan, where for the low cost of $8.99 per month, you gain access to over 150 professionals that range anywhere from South African safari guides to UFO and paranormal experts, treasure hunters, psychics, influencers, culinary experts, and so much more. Check out what the Podstars website has to offer you in your podcast now at www.podstars.net. That's P-O-D-S-T-A-R-Z.net. And don't forget to follow Podstars on all social media platforms for constant updates, fun content, helpful podcast tips, and celebrity edition announcements. If podcasting is your passion, log on to podstars.net now and let Podstars help take your podcast to the next level. Podstars.net, connecting the impossible. Love something like that. I think that's a good way to keep your shows fresh. We love having good guests here on Strictly Business and you know we'll be bringing them to you here in the coming weeks. If you haven't checked out our archives yet, 83weeks.com has a ton of great ones to check out right now at your fingertips as well as adfreeshows.com. Uh, let's talk about another man making the jump. Eric, before we get into our last topic, which will be about the viewership and DVR discussion that has been taken over the internet. Uh, Adam Copeland jumps to AEW, the former Edge, making his debut at WrestleDream, pops up on Dynamite this past week in an awesome segment. Uh, pretty big deal. And he would go on social media and say, you know, to all you guys out there who feel like this is someone betraying where they came from, this is a sign that the industry is healthier than ever. And he felt that his character arc in WWE as Edge had been told and he was ready for a new challenge. What's your reaction to Adam Copeland making the jump here? Pretty big name. I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I, I like Adam a lot and I congratulated him uh, after his uh, last appearance in Toronto He's an amazingly talented guy. And you and I talked about his options. And I think I said, if indeed he chose to go to AEW, likely it was because he wanted to end his career with with uh, Christian. And I, I think that probably, if I had to guess, had a lot to do with it. That in the fact that he's not ready to hang it up yet. And I think here's the thing I really respect about Adam. The fact that he can recognize that the character edge and the backstory and the history had run its course because it does. And you hate to see people hanging on to the point where they're just not what they used to be. And when you can see that coming, when you can feel that and you can look around you and say, I've worked with that. Oh yeah, but I could, Oh, I've worked with him too. How about if we, Oh, we've already done that. You know, you get to a point where you're just bouncing into walls and are off of walls. So the fact that he can go to AEW, work with a very, very close friend, perhaps have some great matches and stories that we haven't seen before as a different character. Good for him. Good for him. 
Um, I hope that it ends well. The track record for WWE talent going to AEW has not necessarily been exciting. Um, I think it's been disappointing for a lot of the characters that have come from WWE to AEW. But we'll see. Doesn't mean that things won't change. I did think a crucial element of it, Eric, was bringing over pretty much all of his IP aside from the Edge name from WWE. So you're presenting something familiar for the audience. You know, he kept the Alter Bridge song Metalingus, which was this iconic entrance for him. He was able to get the trademark, the rated R superstar. Yeah, that WWE. surprised me. That that really surprised me because it was in use prior. Um, look, I'm not, you know, Mike Dawkins, the gimmick attorney, so I'm not a trademark expert, but that one, when I read that, I was, I was shocked, not shocked, but I was surprised. And I want to follow through with that because it was really, you know, to have the rated R superstar, which is only, we only recognize it because it was a part of his character in WWE. And then to be able to take that with him, I found that to be interesting. That's the best way to say it. And I think the fact that he's brought his music with him is going to help substantially because he's no longer edge. He's creating a new character, which is exciting. Don't get me wrong. It can be a really, really fun challenge, but it can also be a little bit of an uphill, uphill climb because you're reestablishing your character to be able to bring back some of that IP, some of the things that people recognize you for, whether it's rated our superstar or his music, whatever is helpful. Very, very much. So Christian cage, Jay Riso, a guy you're very familiar with from over the years. Uh, what's your assessment of him in terms of the quality of work that he does? I, I feel like a lot of people look at him as one of the most underrated contributors to the wrestling space of the last 20 years. You know what I like about Christian is he, he never plays it over the top. He, 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 his character has always been slightly understated, but really authentic and believable. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially in, you know, professional wrestling when everything seems to be over the top, very talented guy. Um, I, I never got to know him really. I, we had conversations and I may have worked with him a little bit off and on, but never really got to know him. So I, I only know him, you know, as a result of his character and watching his work. And I, I, I wouldn't go so far as say he's underrated, perhaps underappreciated would be. A better yeah. Way to say it. Did you see this segment on dynamite by chance? I assume you didn't cause you were traveling with, with Adam and, and Christian. No, I didn't. I didn't. This was this was right out of the school of of Eric Bischoff here. This was a great segment. I'm really excited for where they're going to go with this. Adam Copeland comes out. He's in the ring for ten minutes talking about you know why he made the move. All these people he can't wait to look forward to working with, and he said the main catalyst for coming over was that his daughter said to him, "It's time to go have fun with Uncle Jay, Christian. It's time to go have fun with him." So he's like. Christian, who's doing all this crazy heel work right now, he just main evented the pay-per-view is this massive heel. He's like, come to the light side. Let's get one more run together as a tag team that none of us would have ever expected to happen. Let's finish this the right way. Let's do things as brothers as we have for 20 plus years, blah, blah, blah. Calls Christian out. Christian comes down to the ring. He looks like he's about to cry. They hug. It looks like they're going to reunite. And Christian doesn't even look up. He's got a mic in his hand as he's hugging him. He just goes, go fuck yourself and dry and just walks out of the ring. And that's how it leaves. And Edge has this look of despair on his face. So oh, my first- gosh. A, cl- a cliffhanger in a story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shocking and refreshing at the same time. So and and he dropped the hard F. So. It was it was pretty entertaining, and Adam Copeland's going to have his first match uh, on AEW programming against Luchasaurus. And I think too, it's always good when you have a veteran presence in a company like that. Eric, I, I don't think you can ever have too many who are willing to contribute to help with younger talent and uh, work with them. And I feel like Adam Copeland's the type of guy who loves wrestling so much that getting a chance to work with these younger talents will truly benefit them, or at least that's what you hope for, right? Um, yeah, sure. I, I, I'm more interested in great story, no matter who he works yeah. with. 
the idea of, you know, veteran talent coming in and helping the younger guys, that, that sounds really good. And it's certainly not a bad thing if it happens, but I don't think that should be anybody's primary consideration. Mm -hmm. Primary consideration. If, if I'm talented is, is this going to be fun for me? Do I have some people that I can really work with that I think I can do some great things with? If the answer to that is yes, that's about it. And if it happens to be some of the younger talent that benefit from it, perfect. Great. Everybody wins. I would certainly agree with you on that. They are banking on a big number for Adam Copeland in his match with Luchasaurus. We're going to talk about viewership in just a second here because I know that we're going to have a great yeah, conversation. Yeah, I want to get into the numbers more than the possible creative. This of course. Is, this is strictly business. That's right, and we're going to get into that in a second. But I'll tell you what, Eric, when people who are watching AEW Wrestle Dream heard You Think You Know Him and then the Metalingus song hits, I'd imagine quite a few stiffies were popped. Well, we're going to help you pop some stiffies here too on Strictly Business with our friends over at Blue Chew because this episode of Strictly Business is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, gents. Remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up, head on over to bluechew.com and we're going to help you out. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple, so simple. In fact, you sign up. At BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made right here in the United States of America and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Eric, you were just on the road for a week and a half at a time. I know, without a shadow of a doubt, you had BlueChew at your side, did you not? telling you mrs b took the ride with me she was with me for two weeks straight and i would not leave home with my wife without my blue chew and by the way it works overseas as well. i was, gonna, I was just gonna ask does the does the time zone or any of the restrictions no no no, no it's completely unaffected everything worked perfectly overseas yeah. I love to hear that because Blue Chew is helping Eric Bischoff have better sex. So we want to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WrestleBiz at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code WrestleBiz. W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z to receive your first month absolutely free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode of Strictly Business. Okay, let's get into the business side of things. Viewership, a hot talking point this week. NXT doing 850K viewers. AW Dynamite doing 800,000. It did beat NXT in the demo. However, there was quite a bit of controversy surrounding it, Eric. Uh, the indication from the AEW camp has been that due to DVR issues with Warner Brothers Discovery, where people who were trying to DVR the episode of Dynamite ended up with a copy of the Big Bang Theory instead, that that affected the day of viewership and thus the number. Now, Eric, mm. you did predict on this show this year that NXT would beat an episode of AEW Dynamite. If this is to be believed, as is circumstantially, that would be correct. What's your reaction? I, you know, I did, you know... I was following what was going on in social media while I was overseas and I saw all of the controversy and you and I texted back and forth a couple of times about, I think it was yesterday. I've lost track. I don't even know what day it is to be honest with you. Correct. Um, this whole idea, first of all, and I mean this sincerely now I, I'm, I've been out of the television business for a minute. All right. DVR was a big thing, even when I was producing, certainly when I was in TNA, when it was relatively new. And, and in terms of it uh, impacting ratings and how to analyze the DVR impact on the overnight ratings. But I'm going to keep this really simple. And I, this is an honest question because I don't know the answer. And it's an important question. And the answer really should tell the whole story. But when I DVR, I DVR um, Dynamite. I DVR all, well, all WWE stuff and AEW in case I'm ever asked to comment on it the following day. I set my, I go to AEW, I set my DVR, I record all episodes, and I'm done. 
I don't need to go to a channel guide every time I want to DVR dynamite. Am I unique or isn't that just how it works? No, that is generally how it works. But I think there was a glitch where it ended up having people, if they, they set their DVR to record the episode of Dynamite as normally planned, it ended no, up recording no, no, no. an episode of Big Bang. That, that's, see, that's where I think this thing gets distorted. If someone were to go, oh, I think I'm going to DVR Dynamite tonight, I wonder what time it's on. Oh, I'll check my DVR guide and I'll set my DVR accordingly then I can understand, I guess, how that would have an adverse impact on the overnight numbers. I'm going to talk about that in a little more detail in just a moment. But I would say out of 100 people that DVR Dynamite, they've already set that DVR to record Dynamite. How many people out of the 800,000, or let's be kind and say 900,000, but we didn't get that last 100,000. We only got 800. We didn't get 900 because 100,000 people went to their guide and decided to program their DVR based on uh, an incorrect listing. I think that number is so infinitesimally small that it's not even a discussion. But yet it's created, it's just created so much conversation. It's it strikes me as out. And there's another aspect to this that people haven't dug into. And I, I touched on it, I think, with you or maybe I posted it. But typically, with overnights, they stop counting. Nielsen stops recognizing or accruing is the best way to say it, I guess. DVR numbers at 3, 3 a.m. the next morning. So that makes the possibility, at least in my unfamiliar mind at this point in terms of how this could somehow have adversely impacted the number that I think a lot of AEW fans in particular and, and Tony Khan and everybody else want people to believe. In order for that to happen, since Nielsen quits accruing those DVR plus three numbers at 3 a.m. the next morning, and then you have an even smaller pool of people that for the first time in their lives or don't regularly DVR, but decided they were going to do it this night and went to a, a, a guide to find out what time they should do that. I think we're talking about, I guess there's about a dozen or so people that are, might fall into that category. So unless I'm missing something, which is possible, I don't see how there's, any significant loss of, of audience due to a glitch that such a small percentage of people would be impacted by. I, I'm just giving you back what I was told directly from high up in AEW. I'm reading it directly here. When I inquired about it, um, it was that same day DVR. So same day, equated here to what you're Stops describing at three o'clock in the morning makes up a big chunk of the audience and we lost almost all of ours that's bullshit is, i don't care if I it's higher up or if it's a, someone in catering mm -hmm. that makes no sense on the surface based on everything we just discussed now i don't know if what you described with the error is exactly what happened i'm not entirely sure my understanding was even if people had set their AEW Dynamite pre-recording, as you suggest, where you set it to record all the episodes, that the glitch made it so that even though they had planned ahead and pre-recorded it without going through their guide, it still was creating issues. Well, you know that what? Here's, here's how we're going to find out. When we're done with this recording, I've got one or two things I have to do. But this afternoon or early this evening, I'm going to go to my DVR guide, mm -hmm. and I'm going to see if the latest episode... If it DVR'd correctly, mm -hmm. I was in, I was overseas. I didn't, I didn't do anything. It just does it automatically. I'm going to go see. And if it's there, I'm going to call bullshit and I'll do it on social media and I'll let the world know. If it wasn't there, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit that there's a possibility I'm yeah. wrong. 
Yeah, and I have no idea. I mean, none of us are going to have any way of knowing. We're going to find out shortly. No, what I'm saying is none of us have any idea if we know if this was one size fits all where it affected everyone who tried to do it or if it only affected a certain segment of people. I don't know. I don't know. We're never going to know. I think it's It's all horse shit. It's semantics at that point. Uh, They did have issues. They had audio issues with Warner Brothers Discovery 2 two weeks in a row where Sean Ross Sapp reported that there were a lot of people very unhappy in AEW about some of the stuff from Warner Brothers Discovery and that even a Warner Brothers Discovery source had stated that it was unacceptable that they were dealing with some of these technical issues with them. Do you ever recall having any technical issues like that that were consistent and ongoing over a period of time? Not consistent and ongoing. Yeah. Fortunately, if you go back and you look at all of the live episodes that we did with the exception of... um, Acts of God, like loss of power during a thunderstorm down in Florida and things like that. Um, And that was on my end. That was on the production side, not on the network side. Um, I never had an issue with TBS or TNT as far as them delivering what I was sending. That that I find peculiar, but um, I I never had that issue. And any technical issues we did have were one-offs, and they were very rare. Yeah. And it came from the Warner Bros. Discovery side because the feed that was being sent internationally, the fight was fine. They didn't have any issues with that. So it did come from the Warner Bros. Discovery and Turner side of things. Uh, Let's talk about this number, though, man. NXT doing a really good number. And we know this week they are going to be head to head with AEW. So Dynamite and NXT will be running head to head once again on a Tuesday this time. WWE loading up. John Cena is going to be on this show. Cody Rhodes on this show. It was reported as we record this today that The Undertaker is going to be at the Performance Center that day. It's going to go head-to-head with a strong episode of Dynamite in terms of matches, headlined, of course, by Adam Copeland's debut match with AEW. I think it's a great thing for the industry, man, to have these special one-off nights where everyone's kind of throwing everything at the fire and see who comes out on top for a night. How do you feel about it? I think it's interesting. I'll I'll, I'll probably... If I'm in town, um, I'll definitely be watching. Curiosity. See what they're going to do. I think it's fun. I'll be more curious what the numbers are the next day. Right. That's really what I'm most curious about is the business of the wrestling business. Um, That's what gets me excited, what what intrigues me, um, and what I'm most interested in. You know, the on-camera product is certainly entertaining for me and because it's people that I know. I've worked with John Cena actually been in matches with John Cena. Paul Heyman's a good friend of mine. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see what they're going to do. And it is exciting. It gives people something to talk about and and wonder what what's that number going to be. Um, should be interesting. Are you willing to claim victory on the NXT prediction this week, or are you going to give it to next week? No. It's, it, it's a half-assed victory. Okay. Um, and we've been, look, it's been getting close every week, right? We, we've seen, we've seen NXT get closer and closer and closer and grow in the ratings. And we've seen AEW remain largely flat. So, the, I mean, we've been watching that since, well, for a while. And which is why I made the prediction I made early. I think it was back in May or April, or May or part, that was the beginning of the year. It was our, it was our preview predictions. Yeah. So, um, I'll claim a half ass victory, but I'll spike the ball next week. <laughs> well, it, it does show too what happens when you put a lot of equity in a show with star power because NXT, the show right now, is so different than the show that it was at the beginning of the year. Shawn Michaels got a little more control over the show and the direction that he wanted to take it in. And now I think you're finding this really nice mixture of if you want to see a really good wrestling match, you can turn on NXT every week and you're probably going to get one or two pretty damn good wrestling matches. But if you also want to see the stars of tomorrow really develop into their own in this very character driven show, you're going to get that, too. Now, some people will say maybe it's a little too cartoony for them, but I think they're finding this really good marriage. And the way I look at it, Eric, and I'm curious what you think because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this since it happened. I really think they're starting to try to find a way to position NXT to be picked up as part of a rights package 
uh, not quite equal standing to Monday Night Raw because the brand values are totally different. But I think they really want to get picked up as a show that is a featured program uh, on whatever platform it ends up on with these new I, media rights. I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, a lot of the chatter that I've seen on social media is, oh, I can't believe it. WWE is so afraid of it. Uh, excuse me. WWE is so afraid of AEW. They're stacking the deck and all that. I think this has way more to do with negotiating for rights fees. And I think it's the, the timing is somewhat coincidental. Don't get me wrong. I think there's some people looking forward to it for the same reason I am. But I, I don't think it's, it's driven as much by, oh, my gosh, we're competing against AEW as it is, oh, my gosh, we need to, we want to, because it's good business, increase the value and show the potential. And that's why I think, you know, Becky Lynch, we've seen, you know, some pretty significant star power in the last several weeks, which had nothing to do with AEW. They're just building upon it. But I think a lot of it has to do with increasing the perception and or the potential, the perceived potential of NXT as a result or as a part of, you know, a rights negotiation. The timing is just, you know, good social media chatter. And I think it also makes for a much more intriguing television program where you don't know who's going to show up. You, you know that you're going to yeah, have... And that's, your that's always been, you know, the wrestling audience. One of the things that I learned, I've talked about this ad nauseum, I'm not going to do it again, but I learned as participating in some pretty significant research around the country over an extended period of time, that one of the core values, I guess, for lack of a better term, because I'm kind of half brain dead, that wrestling fans have across the board is they love to be surprised. They, they love that part of professional wrestling where you didn't, where something happens that you never saw coming. And this is a great opportunity to do that. That's that's how you create appointment television by doing things different and, and, and creating that message that you can't afford to miss this episode because you never know what's going to happen based on what we've seen the last two or three weeks. Right. That's that's how you do it, especially in wrestling. That's how you do it with everything. But that's especially true in professional wrestling. The episode I, also, I also think it's twofold where you do have this opportunity to help some of the younger talent by working with the more established veterans per se, but also it's a fresh coat of paint for some of these established veterans, get a chance to do something new, maybe add a little spice, a little je ne sais quoi to your character that can then be leveraged back onto the main roster. I think that keeps things exciting uh, in the grand scheme of things for the talent themselves too. And keeping them fresh. I, I had a hypothesis that I put out, Eric, that got a lot of traction. I'm curious what your thought is on this as far as this current edition of NXT that we're seeing and the purpose of the Performance Center. We know that the black and gold brand NXT from 2015 to 2019 was very successful in terms of in a vacuum as a brand, right? They had great matches and it was exciting television. They did good numbers. They did these great NXT takeover shows. Awesome. Not a ton of the talent that came from that brand were homegrown developed stars who became megastars on the main roster. Some of that's due to creative, but there are other elements at play. My argument, Eric, is that this version of NXT, where there really is this hardcore emphasis on taking homegrown developed talent and turning them into the mold of WWE superstars, this era is going to produce more WrestleMania main eventers and big time players than WWE has ever produced from a developmental perspective. What do you think about that? You could be right. Um, you know, I don't know how to respond to that. You could be right. I, 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 you know, there are certainly there has been talent that have come from NXT and made the main roster and, and are now enjoying tremendous success. Of course. Whether or not there will be more of that um, remains to be seen. Uh, half glass full says absolutely. Half glass empty makes me go, well, it's too early to, to tell. I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Perhaps. How's that? <laughs> I just think that there's more focus right now on developing these guys, these guys and gals into the mold of a WWE star. And they're going into the bag of indie wrestlers where you're finding good indie talent that you're acquiring. And those people like the Carmelo Hayes types, they, they have their 
place and they're going to do very well. But you combine those guys with these athletes that you're bringing in who are naturally adept to the industry, the Tiffany Stratton's, the Braun Breakers, the Creed Brothers, these types. I think you're going to find yourself with talent who are more ready for the WWE system than ever. Oh, I, I, I absolutely agree to that. I agree with that. I mean, I'm every week. I Well, not every week. That's exaggerating. But I bet you once or twice a month, I'm asking myself whether I'm driving down the road or whatever. When am I going to see Braun Breaker? on the main roster because he's in my opinion as a, a, a from the outside looking in man he's ready he's just you know he's just bursting with talent and he's got a strong character and i'm guessing i don't know him i know his father really well but you know as a younger talent you're probably chomping at the bit waiting to, waiting to get that opportunity and i think one of the things that wwe wwe is doing so well with nxc is as you just pointed out really developing that talent so then when they do make that jump to prime time to the big show there is close to being you're never going to be flawless but you're as close to that as you can get you're not learning on the job in front of a massive national television audience that's what NXT is for, but they're getting that experience. They're getting that confidence. They're developing instincts and timing and finessing their characters and maybe discovering new ways of presenting that character because that's what happens with reps, repetitions. You just you get a little more insight into what can work and that discipline that's, that's, it's, first of all, it's very hard to be disciplined in that regard because you're constantly wanting, you know, to put some great talent on television. And I'm using Braun as an example. It's probably more, but it will pay great dividends and you won't see a learning curve that you would otherwise see if someone is coming from outside of the WWE system and learning what works best in WWE. When you had the PowerPoint, the power plant, would you have enjoyed the added tool of having a television show to showcase those people? Of course. Of course. We had many, many, many conversations and, and probably attempted a time or two to create live events, non-televised live events, specifically to and for developmental talent um, and, and giving an opportunity to those talents to develop their skills in front of a live crowd because no matter how extensively you train you're if you're training in front of four walls and the rest of the people on the roster you never really connect with the audience you don't learn that finesse that instinct the timing you, you just can't learn that in in a training facility no matter how hard you try or how hard your, your coaches try to teach you that you have to get out in front of a live audience, whether that's a live television audience, which is ideal, or a live show, which is not as ideal, but still valuable. But yeah, we would have loved that. The reason we didn't do it was expense, to be very honest about it. Yeah. Well, the beauty of the performance center is that they've really turned it into a production facility. And that saves so many costs as is right out of the bat when you can broadcast from home and you don't got to rent out a facility. Well, it's not only that, but it gives you the opportunity when you have a production facility that, and I don't know what that setup looks like. I've never been to the performance center, to be honest, and I don't know what their training protocols are or, or, or formats, but I would imagine learning how to do an interview is probably one of them. And one of the aspects of their training. And now you've got a production studio where you can go in and give a talent a script and work mm -hmm. with them and, and direct them, put them on the scene, and hit, hit the cameras, hit the lights and let it rip and sit down and analyze it and discuss it afterwards. You can learn in, in that respect much differently and much better um, than you can doing it out in front of a live television audience for the first time. That's like fucking horrible. Certainly is. We will see what next week brings. I, I have a feeling we will have a spirit. But you're, hey, but I'm, I'm not going to let you off the hook, man. I, you okay. always put me on the spot. I do. And you always bitch rings. out. <laughs> but I am the Nostradamus of professional wrestling at this point with an over 80% accuracy rate when it comes to my progno prognostications. According but to who? I'm, according to me, I keep track of this shit. <laughs> I do. I write this shit down, put it in my wallet. Okay. Um, but what's yours, dude? What, what do you think the rating will be next week? 
when they go head to head NXT and in Dynamite. You want the numbers or who I think will? No, I don't come give out a fuck who wins. I only care about the numbers. Okay. I think. I think next week. NXT does nine hundred and thirty thousand viewers. Under a million. Okay. Under a million, but that's a huge number for NXT. And I think AEW does. 900,000. I don't. And I'll tell you why. One thing that I've, and again, I'm not Brandon Thurston. And by the way, I, I really love Brandon's um, analysis. Um, Brandon also talked about in social media, very briefly, briefly, how there's no one has any idea. No one has a clear idea of the impact of the DVR glitch. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just, He's being honest, and I really appreciate when analysts are honest. But that being said, I'm convinced based on the PLEs, when we have a PLE on a Saturday night, for example, it absolutely crushes the collision audience. Yep. Yep. And I'm convinced based on that data, because we've seen it now a couple times, there is so much duplication. I'm not talking about on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Talking about people that watch television because the Twitter audience and the social media audience is yeah. still a small, albeit much more important to AEW than WWE. But I think there is so much duplication in that audience numbers for both companies. There is. I, I do not believe that there are more than a couple thousand people that watch AEW that don't watch WWE. My thought process is simply that it's Adam Copeland's debut match. I think there will be a lot of intrigue in that. I, I think that's first. Yeah, but they're splitting the audience. There's also going to be a lot of intrigue, you know, in seeing how Paul and Paul Heyman is a massive star. John Cena is a massive star. There's some massive mm-hmm. talent in there. There's going to be because of the curiosity factor. I I I don't see AEW breaking five hundred. Five hundred. They went head to head for. A year and a half in NXT won one time. You think they're only going to with a bunch of talent nobody knew. Still though, no, 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 not still though. That's it's a developmental. You're talking about putting your first team in against your no third strike. I I mean, now the one the one thing that I will say that Dynamite does have going against it is that it's not on its normal night. It's on Tuesday. And habit, habit is a big thing. Making excuses. I'm oh not making God. excuses, but five hundred thousand. I'll I'll revise my number from nine hundred because thinking about that being on Tuesday, I'll I'll go eight fifty. But five hundred? No way. I I see no way that Dynamite does five hundred thousand viewers. No, we'll find out. We'll wait. You want to put a wager on it? I'll put a wager on it with you. What do you want to bet? Hmm. I'm not betting my hair. I can't do that. So, um... chicken shit. <laughs> hey i've got a network gig now i gotta oh that's gotta, right and congratulations tell us a little you. bit about that come on now. yeah no i'm uh i'm a contributor to uh sny sports night sportsnet new york uh which is the home of the mets so if you are in new york connecticut or jersey you can get that and it's available i think 12 million homes around the world it's the home of the mets i'm talking new york sports man i mean good for you congratulations you. i appreciate that very much so it's it's a blast so far and i'm on again tonight actually as we record this but um yeah i can't wager my hair um Hmm. You can buy me dinner or I'll buy you. We'll, we'll do a dinner next time we'll, we're in the same city. Sounds good. Event. All right. Dinner dinner on the loser. I like it. Uh, I eat sushi. I eat a lot of it. And I only eat the good stuff. I'm not, so talking, about, so, I'm not talking about cucumber rolls and all that kind of <laughs> good shit, fake sushi stuff. I'm talking about Otoro. High end. And, and the good stuff. So what's the, the wager? Really the the wager is going to be 500000 over under? I'll go five to five seventy-five. It'll be under six hundred. Okay, so so the under six hundred is the is the wager. You're going under. I'll go over. There it is. Okay, six hundred. And if it's a push, then uh, we'll we'll try something else. But uh, I I'm looking forward to it, my friend. And I appreciate your kind words. I'm glad that we got to get back in the saddle again here on Strictly Business. And I'm appreciative of all of our listeners every single week on Strictly Business. This is an absolute blast to do with you. We want you on our team, folks. Head on over to advertisewithericcom Get your business, get your product out in front of thousands of listeners and viewers 
every single week. Strictly Business is one of the top pro wrestling podcasts in the world. Why would you not want to be part of our team? You heard Pod Stars for the first time earlier today. We would love for you to join up with us as well. Anything else you want to add here, Eric? No, man. I'm going to go in and check my DVR. I can't wait. Right. Look, for, look for that. Look for that post on uh, X uh, Twix. <laughs> you know when I was overseas, and I'm doing. You know we, have, we did these live tours. I had fans. By the way, a lot of people, almost 75 or 80 percent of the people that came to the shows all listened to 83 weeks and strictly business and have heard me refer to what was formerly known as Twitter now known as X as Twix. Mm -hmm. And one fan actually brought me a Twix. There you go. Candy bar as a result. So yeah, well look for that post. I'm going to, I'm going to check my DVR. Were, were the UK, if, if my, if dynamite is on my DVR, I'm calling bloody bullshit. Were the, were the UK Twix bars different than the American Twix bars? To be honest with you, I didn't eat it because I don't eat sugar. But <laughs> <laughs> On brand, impressively on brand, my friend. This has been Strictly Business. We will see you next week. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.